0: SEC fans, this is John Christ, senior writer for Saturday Down South. Welcome to another installment of the SDS Podcast. Coming to you from the iHeart Media Studio, WDAE in Tampa, Florida, 6:20 a.m. 95.3 FM. You can follow me on Twitter at SaturdayJC. And our guest for this episode is Anthony Dasher. He covers Georgia as the managing editor of UGA Sports.com. That's part of the Rivals.com network. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Anthony Dasher1. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me on the show today.
1: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: Happy to have you. And if you are listening, then you know the South loves football, but you know what the South loves? Even more Crystal Burgers. That's right. Crystal, home of the Classic Crystal Burger. They're a Saturday Down South sponsor this year, and they are ready to hook you up for your tailgate. The Classic Crystal, the one you grew up with, the one you loved in college way after midnight, it is still only 79 cents. All day, every day, as many as you want, 79 cents a pop. And best of all, Crystal is taking care of our SDS readers and listeners this fall. Just text SDS to 37793 right now you're going to get two free crystals and a drink so you've got free crystals you've got 79 cent crystals i guarantee if you show up to your tailgate with a steamer pack full of crystals you're going to be treated like the hero that you are stop by your local crystal today and now anthony dasher Anthony, I'm not sure how long you've been covering Georgia, but I'm guessing with how well things are going, both on the field and on the recruiting trail, the program is probably about as healthy as you remember.
1: And it, it's close. I've been covering the team now for 20 years. So I've seen a, a lot of ups and a lot of downs over that uh, period of time. Uh, but but no doubt, I mean, right now, uh, of course, Georgia making its first appearance in the uh, in the college football playoffs. Recruiting class pushing toward a number one ranking. Uh, things are are good in the uh, dog nation right now.
0: Now I did pick Georgia to go 10 and two back at sec media days and win the East. This was back in the preseason in July. So I'm feeling fairly validated here, but obviously the bulldogs have exceeded a lot of expectations nationally. How good did you think this team was back in the summer when fall camp was getting ready to go?
1: Well, I picked 10 and two as well. You know, I picked them to win the East. Uh, a lot of that was based on the fact I didn't think East was going to be very good this year. That sort of uh, proved itself out. But uh, but Georgia, they, they they didn't surprise me uh, to, a, to a certain extent. Defensively, I thought this would be a very strong team. Uh, and really, other than the uh, game at Auburn on, the, on November 11th, uh, they've uh, proven that to be uh, true. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I, I didn't – I always – if you cover Georgia as long as they have, you kind of get used to them kind of stubbing their toe along the way, losing the game. Maybe they're not supposed to, but that didn't happen this year. They got the big win at Notre Dame. That just kind of seemed to be a, just a, a momentum that they needed to carry on, on uh, you know, throughout the, the rest of the season. And here they are sitting, uh, you know, 12 and 1 right now, have a chance to play for a national championship.
0: Now, let's keep it in the wayback machine just for a minute. What was your biggest concern about this team coming into 2017? You know, this was a solid was, team last yeah. year, but there were some ups and ups and downs year one for Coach Smart. What was the question you really needed to see answered, and how did they answer it through 13 games?
1: Well, my biggest question about this team coming in was the offensive line. Uh, you know, they lost uh, three starters off of, of uh, last year's team. Uh, they were moving their, their right guards to center. You know, I was really, uh, really questioning how that was going to work out. Of course, they have the Georgia's got the great running game with Nick Chubb, uh, Sony Michelle, DeAndre Swift has come on and done a very good job. But you just wonder about the offensive line because they were they were pretty pretty weak last year. Uh, that was a real trouble point. I wasn't really sure how they were going, going to be able to improve that uh, aspect of play. But again, that's one area that, that they've uh, really surprised me. Isaiah Wynn uh, was a, was a star at left tackle, really kind of anchored that group and. uh And we've seen uh, some of the younger guys have been able to come home and really establish themselves. Dick Cleveland at right guard, once they moved him in, what uh, you know, three games ago, he's really been a a a big boost to that group. And then of course, uh, you know, Andrew Thomas, uh, you know, freshman at right tackle, just really exceeded expectation. Nobody saw him coming in, I don't think, and starting uh, from day one, but he's helped anchor that group as well. And it's just been a it's been a solid group, and that's that's uh, where it all starts at the line of scrimmage. uh, not just for Georgia, but every team uh, has to be successful up front. And Georgia, the fact that Georgia has been able to do that with that offensive group, offensive line, has, I think, been a real key to their success.
0: Yeah, maybe even more of a surprise since right guard and right tackle. A couple of freshmen, and they played incredibly well. Of course, we have to spin this to the quarterback position. Was there any way at all to anticipate kind of what went down with the Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason situation? Of course, Eason is a starter, but... You know, even as a five-star kid, you know, he was up and down his first season. And, you know, I remember on the recruiting trail getting ready for National Signing Day, despite Eason just coming off a freshman year, a five-star kid. There was so much excitement about Jake Fromm. We saw what happened in the G-Day game. I know everything's sort of history, how it's planned out, but... Why do you feel like there was so much momentum for Jake Fromm? And just it seemed like some Georgia fans never truly bought in to Jacob Eason. It's almost like the injury was fortuitous.
1: It, it, it did. And uh, the thing about Jake Fromm, something we heard about him, even before he stepped on campus back in January, was this guy was a leader. We kept hearing the word intangible thrown around with this guy. And you talk to any of the players on offense now, they will tell you from day one that he stepped on campus was a guy who was already kind of taking some of his leadership by the horns he was not a, he was showing that he already knew the offense uh, he's a guy just uh players just seem to gravitate gravitate he's got that he's got that personality that you want to be around and uh and when 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 he came into that ball game at Appalachia State I honestly I, I it did not surprise me at all to see him come in and execute like he like he did and saw the players just again just rally around him and he just carried that on through him and People kept waiting for Jacob Easton to kind of get that job back, but uh, Georgia kept winning. I mean, Jacob, uh, Jake Fromm, rather, again, uh, Georgia running him had, had to throw a ton, but when he did, uh, he was very efficient, very successful, and, and Georgia keep, kept piling up uh, the victory. So uh, that being the, the case, they couldn't you know, they couldn't take him out, and, and Jacob Easton right now is, is, if I had to guess at this point in time, is going probably wind up transferring once the year is over. Is because of the status of Jake Fromm, plus the fact they got Justin Fields coming in next year, another five star quarterback. So it's definitely been an interesting situation with the quarterbacks this year, but Jake Fromm, you know, I'm not really surprised to see what he's doing. And just based on what I heard before the season even started.
0: Yeah, you know, when I've talked about this situation with Easton and Fromm, whether it's on this podcast or various other shows I do around the country, I always preface it by saying, I'm not here to bury Jacob Eason. I'm here to praise Jake Fromm, to do a little Shakespeare on you. But how has Jacob Eason handled this situation? We haven't heard a whole heck of a lot of him. He's gotten a few snaps in garbage time here and there. But this was a five-star kid that we thought was going to be three years into the NFL draft, a la Matthew Stafford, about a decade or so. How has he handled what obviously is a very tough situation for somebody who's clearly never gone through anything like this before?
1: Yeah, well, from everything we've seen, he's handled it just fine. I mean, you, we saw him at the, at the championship game, SEC, SEC title game, for example, where every time Jake would come off the field, Jake would be the first one to greet him. And uh, we did finally get a chance to speak with Jacob uh, after the game was over, open locker room, have not had a chance to speak with him since before the start of the uh, season. But uh, in that interview situation in the locker room, he said all the right things. Uh, very uh, appreciated for his time at Georgia, uh, was, praised the job that Jake Fromm did and. And when he was asked about his feature, he just deferred that to, you know, said he's not worried about that right now. He's They're trying to win a championship, said all the right kind of things. So uh, I think Jacob Eaton has, has handled this as well as he possibly could.
0: Now, you're a Rivals guy, and Rivals at its core is about recruiting and the network of, of teams that you have and recruiting experts across the country. And, of course, there's going to be tons of speculation about a guy like Eason. I know you don't want to project too far in advance, and he's still on this team, and Georgia is going off to the college football playoff, as we've talked about. But it's very, very difficult to see him a part of this program, you know, a month or two down the road. Do you have any speculation whatsoever about maybe conversations that are happening and potential destinations for this young man?
1: Well, easy speculation would be for him to head back to the West Coast. You know, that's where he's from from uh from uh you know Washington. So uh maybe go to the Huskies, uh maybe Washington State. Uh I know uh, before Shea Patterson went to decided that he was gonna to go to Michigan, that was another team that uh, he was rumored to be having shook some interest in. So uh I would guess if I had to guess that's all I'm doing right now is guessing I would say somewhere back out west but, but who knows. It might be a situation uh, uh down in Miami. I mean Mark Rigged recruited a guy come out of high school. That'd be something he could possibly look at. But uh, if I had to put some money on it, I would say he's heading back out west somewhere.
0: Makes a lot of sense. But so does the so does the Mark Rick thing. We know how close that recruiting connection was uh, a couple of Februarys ago. Let's go back to the on-the-field product. We saw two entirely different football teams in a red and black uniform the first time on the planes at Jordan-Hare versus what we saw at Mercedes-Benz Stadium just three weeks later. How much do you think this was, you know what, Georgia just had an awful game the first time around. Just whatever they did well the first nine or ten ball games for some reason they didn't bring it to Auburn. How much was it just having an awful game? Or was it maybe, you know what, Coach Smart realized what he did wrong, he threw apart the game plan, and they just put together a better performance, X's and O's schematically, everything else when we got to the SEC championship game.
1: Yeah, I think a little bit of what you just said is uh, probably uh, applies. Uh, I know the first game, no, Georgia did not play as its best game, but but on the flip at Auburn, man, I tell you, those guys played lights out. I've been to here a ton of times, and that was probably the best I've seen them play in that stadium. You know, all the years I've been, you know, covering the, this rivalry, so give all the credit the world to Auburn. I mean, they dominated both lines of scrimmage, and that's what really, you know, enabled them to win the game as handily as they did. Uh, now in the second game, uh, you mentioned some of the offensive tweaks they made. Uh, we saw Georgia, you know, work more play towards the perimeter. They didn't do a ton of that that first contest, and and and, and the lines of scrimmage were just more physical. It's Just it's really as simple as that. Uh, uh, and they were able to get some some huge plays on the defense. I mean, they say, it looked like Auburn was going at 14 and nothing when David me you know, forced that fumble on uh, on Garrett Stedham to to give Georgia momentum. Something they didn't let up, uh, you know, from let up with uh, after that occurred. So. Uh, it's just uh, just uh, playing smarter football, doing some things different, and uh, Georgia, you know, wound up, uh, you know, going on to win that ball game.
0: Now, how would you grade Kirby Smart as a game day coach? You know, when he took over this program yeah. a year ago, first time ever as a head coach at any level. It's still just year two, but yeah. last year, you know, seven and five, and there were some funky moments and you know oh, yeah. why are some of these you know lower rung teams hanging around and uh he was criticized here and there for some substitution packages and for the way he managed the clock again first time head coach now he's in year two have you seen improvement there and your overall grade of coach smart in terms of how he handles those 60 minutes on the field
1: yeah there were definitely some, some head scratchers last year but Nichols game and then the band game into that one and uh of course, the Tennessee game, but I don't put that on the spot. That was just a, a fluke play how that ended up. But uh, but this year I think the biggest difference, and I think it was helped Coach March, just the fact he's had a more mature team. Uh, this is a senior laden squad with Georgia. It's, you know got some outstanding leaders and uh I think and and really unlike last year everybody on the team was bought in and that makes your job as a coach easier. But uh you know, we saw uh you know Coach March I think make some, some wiser decisions down the stretch of some ballgames. Granted there've been a lot of games that Georgia hasn't uh had to sweat it out too much, but in games that they they have been close, I think he's uh, made some uh, very adroit, uh, you know, decisions, uh, you know, on the field as the coach. And uh, I think uh, he'll admit this himself. I think he asked Coach Marty. He'll tell you he's a he's a different coach, a better coach than he was when he first took over this ball team. Uh, uh, decisions are a little bit uh, crisper, maybe a little bit wiser in some uh, in some instances, and uh, and the results are showing.
0: You're listening to the Saturday Down South podcast. Our guest is Anthony Dasher. He covers Georgia for UGASports.com, part of the Rivals Network. And the SDS podcast is brought to you by Ticket City. While the regular season is sadly in the rearview mirror already, your holiday season is going to be chock full of bowl games. Nine of the 14 teams in the SEC are going bowling. Missouri plays Texas. Texas A&M plays Wake Forest. Kentucky gets Northwestern, Mississippi State gets Louisville, South Carolina and Michigan, Auburn and UCF, LSU against Notre Dame again, and of course, Georgia and Alabama are in the college football playoff. The Bulldogs are getting Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. Don't worry, we're going to talk about that. The Crimson Tide get Clemson again in the Sugar Bowl. We have been working with Ticket City for a long time. They are the experts in the business having served over a million and a half customers, they've been the place to go for almost 3 decades now, and best of all, Ticket City is offering $20 off for all Saturday Down South podcast readers and listeners. All you need to do is go to ticketcity.com, enter the discount code SDS20 at check it, checkout, pardon me. And you're going to get $20 off the game of your choice. Again, ticketcity.com Discount code SDS20. Get off the couch, go to the game, a bowl game no less. Visit Ticket City today. Okay, Anthony, let's get back to you here. And what's Curry Smart like to deal with on a regular basis? You know, he's obviously kind of cut out of that Nick Saban cloth. He's not super (laughs) warm and fuzzy when it comes to press conference situations. Clearly nothing like Coach Richt who you were with for a decade or so. I'm curious about your interactions with Coach Smart and just how he handles the day-to-day media in general.
1: Well, that's interesting because I, I covered uh, Coach Smart who's a player at George. That's when I first started uh, working on this beat. And But, you know, he he's definitely got a lot of Coach saving in here as far as the way he handles himself with the media. Uh, he, you know, there were some times last year where I think he was pretty abrupt. He kind of gotten some, uh, I, guess, I guess you could call him tests with some of the... Uh, the beat riders about some of the questions that would be in, would be asked of him, but uh, uh, but this year he's been, you know, he, he's he's kind of a uh, he got a little better. I would, I would I would just I would just say that is hasn't been quite as confrontational. Uh, I guess, of course, having a, a season later having kind of will alleviate some of that. But uh, Coach Martin is a kind of coach again. He I don't think doing press conferences is his favorite thing. However, if you ask him a direct question, he will give you a direct answer with no. Coach speak no no spin. Uh, he he's usually pretty upfront with his answers. Now he doesn't like to uh he doesn't like coach say doesn't does not like to deal with hypotheticals. He doesn't like to, uh, he won't he won't uh, give details on injuries you know that sort of thing. But uh, otherwise you ask him anything uh, you know personnel related or uh, you know or schematically related. You no know, as long as it's not going to affect the the game plan he'll he'll give you a straight up answer. So from that standpoint we appreciate kind of where where he's coming from most of the time.
0: You know, I've been calling Athens Tuscaloosa East these days. And just that's what this team looks like to me. If you watch yeah. this team closely a year ago versus the product you're seeing now, it looks like that team you see in Crimson White, specifically on defense, watching 11 guys fly to the football. Clearly, that is the blueprint. Do you, do you think it's safe to say that? that uh, How much of this program do you feel is Coach Smart on his own? And how much of it is basically copycatted from Coach Saban?
1: I think a lot of it is complicated from Coach Saban. Again, for one we just talked about just the way he uh, handles the media. It's a it's a one voice deal with Coach Morty. know, he doesn't let his assistant coaches speak, he doesn't let any other staff members speak to the media. But as far as the team, uh, the way it's being excuse me, the way it's being built, the type of defense they run, the type of offense uh, you know, they they have, uh, the, the the uh the uh strength conditioning program. It's, it's patterned a lot after what Alabama does. Although, again, Scott Sinclair you know, came from UCF and is doing his own thing, but there are a lot of similarities in that regard in recruiting. I mean, uh, Georgia is now recruiting like uh, Nick Saban has done for the past, the past five, six, seven years. Uh, that Georgia's looking to, to reshape their offensive line. I mean, if you look at some of the, the guys they've got commitments from and signed over the last two years, they're talking about more more guys, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, 320, 330 pounds, uh, Resembling those crimson title lines that have done so well over the years, so there's there's definitely a lot of similarities. and although Coach Mark kind of kind of bristles a little bit when you uh, mention that uh, the Alabama comparison, because uh, he's okay, he's a Georgia guy all the way. There, it's definitely pretty inescapable from, from looking at it from the outside in. There's a, a lot of things that look the same when you look at Georgia and Alabama.
0: Now you're talking to a Florida State guy here, and I've learned very recently that you know. Don't get used to that head coach of yours on the sideline. For a while there, I thought Jimbo Fisher was going to be like Bobby Bowden and just have that job for 30-some years. That's clearly not the case. Now, it's a little different for Coach Smart. I mean, he played for the Bulldogs. He clearly bleeds red and black. This was the job he wanted when he finally got rid of that apprenticeship uh, under Coach Saban. However, you know what? 2017 is a different time for head coaches. Could you ever imagine him taking another job? Could you ever imagine him maybe taking over for Saban one day three, four years down the road at Alabama. Could you ever see him making a leap to the NFL? Or are you comfortable saying, nope, he's a lifer. He's going to be between the hedges as long as he has a headset on?
1: Well, I'm never going to say somebody's going to be a lifer. I mean, I've, I've been in this business way too long to, to sit here and ever assume that. Uh, I, I will say, though, he's put himself in a very good position to be at Georgia for a very long time. He's going to get a big pump in payoffs, I think, coming up here very soon. And even with his uh, the bonuses he's getting right now, he's going to get about two million dollars tacked on to his current current salary. But uh, but no doubt with the salaries we're seeing thrown out there right now with Shimbo Fisher, we all, all know what Nick Saban made, Dan Bow, what he's what he's getting. Uh, it, it's uh he's going to be he's going to wind up being up there sooner rather than later as far as his take, rate goes. But you know that's something that, this, that was speculated when he first took the job with if Alabama came up, what he be would be a candidate for it. And, you know, I, I can't sit here and say absolutely for sure that wouldn't happen. I mean, I know a lot of people will look at a, a Dabo Sweeney from Clemson as being maybe a uh, the the guy who Alabama would look to, but a uh, Smart he's, <laughs> excuse me he's having this type of success. Uh, not only are you gonna have teams like Alabama, but uh other schools and and possibly, again, like you said, the NFL may come calling at some point in time. But uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be able to make make some make some more money at Georgia for us over too. And that's that. That we're going to see it pretty soon in the next week or two, I would
0: would imagine. Now, as I mentioned, Rivals at its core is a recruiting network, and that's really how the bread is buttered over there. So I have to get your take on the early signing period, which is coming up here in about a week and a half. This is the first time we've ever had this in college football. A three-day window will open December 20th through 22nd, where these young men don't have to wait until that first Wednesday in February anymore to put their John Hancocks on those letters of intent. What is your take on the temperature of the room here? It's hard to know how this is going to shake out. You talk to some people and they believe most everybody is going to sign as early as possible. Others are not quite sure how it's going to happen. It's going to be different from a group of five program versus a power five program, especially a team like Georgia at the top. When this three-day window closes near Christmas – how do you think Georgia's class is going to look? Are they going to have 20 signatures already, or half full, or you, know, you tell me? You know a lot better than I do.
1: Yeah, I think Georgia will have about 20 signatures. I really do, and I think uh, I think most of your power power uh, five uh, conference schools will have the same. I mean, I just from you look at just look at the landscape of recruiting and uh, look at the guys who are committed. Uh, I know uh, again we speak to all these guys who have been uh, who are saying to come to Georgia, and, and, and most of these big name kids have already said they're going to. You know, be a be a bulldog when that early signing period uh, you know rolls around. So I think that, I definitely think you'll see 20, 20 uh, at least that many, and and Georgia won't we'll have about four or five spots to fill come uh, yeah, the quote unquote national signing day there in February.
0: Okay, let's go with that hypothetical there. 20 signatures yep. by before Christmas, and now you got four or five yep. spots less for your usual class of 25 or so. What happens with those last four or five kids? I mean, is that where it Just truly becomes the wild, wild west, and then for the next month and a half, it's just one gigantic flipathon to see who you can get to come in February.
1: Maybe, but uh, Georgia's also in the. I mean, still in a run for about three or four, or five stars. Who are still out there right now, and some of those guys aren't going to be announced. They've already said they're not going to be announcing until uh, till signing day, that the, the February first Wednesday in February. But uh, it. And The, they, the problem with Georgia's having right now is they've got, probably got too many offers out there. They're going to, again, probably only take like five more kids, but there's like five or 10, 15 other kids out there that Georgia typically would love to sign on any any given year. This is just a special season right now where they've got uh, you know more players, uh, good players out there and they've got spots for. So uh, I don't think it's going to be necessary a case of maybe trying to flip so many, too many players that are out there. Some, there's enough names out there You uh, aren't uh, committed to anybody who's available right now.
0: So what do you think Coach Smart's secret is on the recruiting trail? I mean, I've spent a little time around him. I get to talk to him on Wednesdays, the SEC's weekly conference call. I'm always a part of that. He's not the most gregarious personality. I don't think it's unfair to say that. But what do you think his message is to recruits and why he's already turned into one of the better recruiters in America?
1: Well, I will say this. His the his, uh, his, his relationship and the way he carries himself with recruits is a lot different than what it is in the media. I mean, you talk to players. I mean, they do talk about him being a very gregarious person, very, uh, very, uh, you know, I don't want to say happy-go-lucky, but very, but very, very uh, um, just somebody with a great personality. But the thing that Coach Mark does, he doesn't, he doesn't promise guys, promise guys the moon. He said, "Look, you you have a chance to earn playing time, but you got to work for it." That's what he told guys like, uh, like Andrew Thomas. Uh, who, uh, you know, I know a lot of guys when he was being recruited. Uh, a lot of teams when he was being recruited told him. He could definitely come in and start. Coach Martin didn't tell him that. He said, you, you can't replace a, a starting spot at George but you're going to have to go out there and work for it. And uh, I think that message really appeals to kids. But but also, it doesn't hurt, too, when they see, uh, players see that you're, your program is out there competing for national championships. So you take that combined with the fact, again, Coach Martin has always been a, a great recruiter. He did such a great job at Alabama for all those years. Uh, it makes for a perfect combination.
0: Okay, of course, we have to talk about the college football playoff. Georgia is the three seed going out to Pasadena, the Rose Bowl, number two seed and Big 12 champion. Oklahoma is the opponent. Before we get to the game itself. I mean, we're talking about Georgia here. We're talking about a once in a lifetime opportunity to play Uh in one of the most scenic venues in all of college football. Just exactly how much red and black do you expect to be swarming that part of the country around New Year's Day.
1: I'm expecting a lot. I mean, I really am. I mean, the people we come in contact with on a daily basis, daily basis, on UGA sports. So we've got countless people who have told us they're, they're making the trip out to out to Pasadena. And then, like you said, it's a once in a lifetime trip. We saw it at Notre Dame this year. What happened with that contest, and where Georgia Georgia fans really overtook Notre Dame Stadium had really over half the fans there. And and I'm I'm not going to be at one bit surprised to see Thirty thousand Georgia fans, at least that many show up uh, in California for this ball game. Won't shock me one iota.
0: Yeah, no kidding. South Bend is the perfect example. That was a borderline home game back in week two at one of the most iconic venues in the sport. Of course, we have to talk about Baker Mayfield. You know, I'm a Heisman Trophy voter. He was uh, top my ballot like he was most everybody's. You know what he is a tough, tough guy to defend, and you can knock the defenses in the big twelve all you want, Lord knows I've done it most of this season. but how do you think this Georgia defense, which we love, is going to match up with a guy like Baker mayfield very difficult to defend
1: it, it very difficult to defend and uh, you know and that's something you know we we've got a chance to speak to Baker about that in Atlanta at the uh ESPN uh, show they had on the players come out before the uh, deal on Thursday. We got to talk to Baker about this, and and uh, he was talking about the athleticism on, on Georgia's side, and, and he went as far as to say they're going to see better athletes uh, in this game that they did when they went to Ohio State. Of course, you know, that's maybe easier to say now considering how how bad Oklahoma beat the the Buckeyes on that afternoon. But uh, from an athletic standpoint, I think Georgia matches up you know pretty good. The question is, like you said, well, how are they going to be able to defend against Baker Mayfield, who was. Uh, just got some ungodly numbers this year. We're well over 4,000 yards, what, 41 touchdowns, and only been picked off five times. But the key, but it's like it with any quarterback, it depends on how much pressure you can get on a guy, can you make him uh, miss a few throws, make him, uh, make him rush some plays? Uh, again, that's, it's, it could be, easy, could be easier said than done, but it's something Georgia's going to have to do in this game, I think, to, to be successful. On the flip side, I think Georgia will be able to move the ball to Oklahoma, but the question is, can they stop Baker Mayfield enough times to uh, give their offense a chance?
0: All right, Anthony, last question for you, and let's keep it defending Mayfield. Give me the one Georgia defender that has to show up, has to have a big game. If he doesn't play well, you've got no chance to stop this offense. Is it Trenton Thompson controlling the line of scrimmage? Is it Roquan Smith with his usual sideline-to-sideline side tactics? Is it a guy like Dominic Sanders patrolling center field and making sure you don't get beat? Deep, who is the one guy who has to show up?
1: Well, I've got to say Roquan. I mean, Roquan has showed up every single game they played this year, and uh, he's going to definitely have to do that again to, uh, for Georgia to have a chance to beat Oklahoma. And uh, like you said, I mean, he Roquan has done everything you could possibly ask of him this year. Uh, he's uh, been used a little more on, on, on pass rush the last few games, so that's something I think to look for in this one. Uh, but if he doesn't have a good game, I mean, Georgia's got absolutely no shot to win this. But if he does, Georgia, I think, can, uh, can give Oklahoma all they can handle.
0: Anthony, thank you so much. Fantastic info, and hope to do it again soon. Yes, sir. Okay, that was Anthony Dasher, the managing editor of UGASports.com on the Rivals.com network. Remember to follow him on Twitter at Dasher one And thank you for listening to the Saturday Down South podcast. Special thanks to our friends at WDAE in Tampa, as well as our sponsors, Crystal and Ticket City. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever your favorite podcast is located. Be sure to give the show a rating as well. My name is John Christ, and for all SEC all the time, visit SaturdayDownSouth.com.